Welcome to Echoes in Eternity. The Hundred Years' War broke out between England and France in 1337. War raged until 1453 when France emerged victorious, but only after 2.8 million people died. Some of you may have noticed that 1453 minus 1337 equals 116, not 100, but the 116 Years' War just doesn't quite have the same ring to it. While the French and English were fighting in Western Europe, the Mongols were invading Eastern Europe. In 1347, the Mongols attacked the port city of Kaffa in modern-day Ukraine. The siege was long, and the Mongol army was suffering from a mysterious disease. In desperation, the Mongols began catapulting plague-ridden corpses over the city walls. The biological weapon worked, and the plague spread through the city. In the chaos, some Italian merchants managed to escape and flee home. After stopping in Sicily, most returned home to Genoa, some went to Venice, and a few went to the French city of Marseille. From those three cities, the plague spread outwards to the rest of Europe. People first noticed strange bumps around their armpits and between their legs. Then the bumps got bigger and were full of pus and blood. Then came a fever. Then vomiting up blood. And then, death. Over the course of four years, the Black Death, as it was called, killed 30 to 60 percent of all Europeans. Many people thought that the plague was the product of God's wrath, and that the day of judgment was upon them. Picture mass graves all across the continent, bodies laying in the streets because there was no one left to bury them, doctors at a loss for what to do. The great cities of Europe turned into charnel houses. While the worst of the plague subsided after four years, it kept popping up from time to time until the 1700s. Take a moment to think about everyone you know. Now imagine half of them died one after another. Half of your friends, dead. Half of your siblings, dead. Half of your children, dead. And for all you know, you might be next. And that's not even to mention the war going on in your backyard. How would that affect you? Could you go on living life as you always had? There's an old concept in European art called memento mori, which is Latin for remember that you must die. Artistic depictions of skulls and skeletons, often with hourglasses, reminded people that every minute brought them closer to their inevitable death. There were even some monks in Paris who, instead of saying hello, would greet people by saying, remember that you must die. While the idea of the memento mori is quite old, it took on a new meaning in the devastation left by the Black Death and the Hundred Years' War. In 1424, 75 years after the plague and 30 years before the end of the war, an artist painted a fresco in a Parisian cemetery. The painting showed skeletons gleefully dancing while leading people to their graves. It included everyone from popes and emperors down to the lowliest peasants, all united by the inevitability of death. The painting was called the Danse Macabre, which means the Dance of Death. It sparked something of a new genre in European art. All across Europe, but especially in France, England, and Germany, artists created pieces that showed death as the great equalizer. Rich or poor, noble or common, holy or wretched, it doesn't matter. Death comes for us all in the end. That is the point of the Danse Macabre. You may recall from the last episode that Shostakovich wrote a song called The Dance of Death, and Liszt wrote a song called Totentanz, which also means The Dance of Death. 
Both Liszt and Shostakovich definitely had the tradition of the Danse Macabre in mind when composing. Liszt included the fate motif in Totentanz because everyone is fated to die. As mentioned last time, Liszt was an extremely creative composer, and one of his most interesting innovations was the tone poem. Liszt would take a poem and write a song inspired by its contents. One of Liszt's close friends, Camille Saint-Saëns, adopted the practice. But before we can talk about his tone poem, we need to talk about the poem that inspired it. And before we can talk about that, we have to talk about the legend that inspired it. According to French lore, at midnight on Halloween, the dead emerge from their graves and dance to the tune of Death's Fiddle. The idea of death or the devil playing a fiddle has a long history and can be seen even now. In the song, The Devil Went Down to Georgia, Charlie Daniels sings, Boy, let me tell you what. I guess you didn't know it, but I'm a fiddle player too. And if you'd care to take a dare, I'll make a bet with you. Now you play pretty good fiddle, boy, but give the devil his due. I bet a fiddle of gold against your soul, because I think I'm better than you. Based upon that legend, and in the historic tradition of the Danse Macabre, French poet Henri Casali wrote a poem called Égalité Fraternité, which means equality, brotherhood. The title comes from the famous French revolutionary refrain, Liberté, Égalité, Fraternité, or Liberty, Equality, Brotherhood. But there is no liberty in death. However, we are all united and made equal by it. The poem goes, Zig, 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 death in cadence. Striking a tomb with his heel, death at midnight plays a dance tune. Zig, zig, zag on his violin. The winter wind blows and the night is dark. Moans are heard in the linden trees. White skeletons pass through the gloom, running and leaping to their shrouds. Zig, 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 each one frisking. You can hear the cracking of bones of the dancers. A lustful couple sits on the moss, so as to taste long-lost delights. Zig, 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 death continues, the unending scraping of his instrument. A veil has fallen. The dancer is naked. Her partner grasps her amorously, the lady, it's said, is a marchioness or a baroness, and her green gallant, a poor cartwright. Horror! Look how she gives herself to him, like the rustic was a baron. Zig, 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 what a saraband! They all hold hands and dance in circles. Zig, zig, zag, you can see in the crowd, the king dancing among the peasants. But hist! All of a sudden, they leave the dance, they push forward, they fly, the cock has crowed. Oh, what a beautiful night for the poor world! Long live death and equality! I'm sure it sounds a lot better in French, or at least Camille Saint-Saëns certainly seemed to think so, because in the 1870s, he wrote a tome poem called Danse Macabre based on Egalité Fraternité, and he published parts of the poem to go along with his music. Curiously, Saint-Saëns only kept lines to do with the dancing skeletons, and he omitted lines that dealt with the couple or the theme of equality. Danse Macabre opens with 12 notes on the harp that represent a clock striking midnight. That's followed by a violin solo, which represents death himself. The violin is purposefully out of tune so it can play what is called a tritone, also known as the devil in music. It's given this name because it sounds dissonant when played on its own. 
Like I said, a little unpleasant. But that's the point. Sanson wants you to feel uncomfortable. This is death, after all. Then, we hear two themes that represent the dancing of the dead. The first one is on a flute. And the second one is on the violin. These two themes and the back and forth between the violin and the orchestra both recur throughout the piece. Cesson, like Liszt, was an innovator. He used a xylophone to mimic the sound of bones clattering, which was one of the first uses of xylophone in a serious symphonic work. And let's not forget about our old friend, Diasire. Last episode, we talked about how this... has become shorthand for death in both classical and modern composing. Sanson, like Liszt before him, couldn't resist using it in his dance of death. Sanson did something interesting with Diasire, though. He moved it into a major key. For those who don't know, a minor key is usually used for sad or scary songs, while a major key is used for exciting or happy songs. Diasire is almost always in a minor key, but Sanson changes it to a major key here because the Das Macabre is a celebration of the dead. This makes it a little bit harder to recognize, plus there's a rest in the middle of the four notes. See if you can hear it anyway. It's pretty easy to miss. Here it is again. The song continues to build and build until it climaxes in a crescendo that is cut off by a rooster crowing, which is actually an oboe. With dawn breaking, the dead hurry back to their graves and death plays a sad violin solo. At first, Das Macabre was poorly received by the public, largely because it was so unconventional by the standards of the day, but it's now considered one of his best works, and it's become the epitome of the scary song. You can see remarkable parallels to it in later works. Less than a year after creating Mickey Mouse, Walt Disney created a series of short films called Silly Symphonies that showed cartoon characters dancing to music. The first of these silly symphonies was called the Skeleton Dance. Near the beginning of the movie, a church bell strikes midnight. Four skeletons then emerge from their graves and begin dancing by the moonlight. At one point, a skeleton uses two femurs to play another skeleton's vertebrae like a xylophone. (laughs) ¶¶ 
Near the end, a rooster crows, and the skeletons all panic and run back to their graves before the dawn. Disney was clearly influenced by Sanson. The similarities are far too striking to be mere coincidence. There are later songs that have been influenced by Sanson, though far less directly. The particular song I have in mind is... The very first words of the song are... Then we get to the most iconic part of the video, an extended dance sequence starring zombie Michael Jackson with undead backup dancers. While I highly doubt Michael Jackson was as directly influenced by Danse Macabre as Disney was, the parallels are worth noting. Much has changed from the 1400s to the 1800s to the 1980s, but death and the fear it inspires have remained a constant for all that time. And there is no better place to see that fear manifested than the music we humans have created. Thank you for listening, and be sure to tune in next time for more Echoes in Eternity.